Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Packs with She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And quite a bit to talk about this week, more than the traditional Packers-Chiefs matchup that we had on deck. Um, a lot of news broke this week. Packers returning some players to the roster and, of course, losing the reigning MVP, Aaron Rodgers, uh, to the COVID-19 list. So... We should probably talk about what that means for Rodgers and the Packers and Jordan Love getting his first NFL start on Sunday now. Yeah, um, there's a lot to parse through in this recent development with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I think you probably agree with that. The situation is not, it's not clear cut, right? It's not, uh, it's, it's convoluted and sensitive and as most things are when it comes to COVID and the pandemic and just people's health in general. Um, you never like to see something like this happens to your team. I think it's probably inside the building fairly distracting from a team that's like seven and one, right? And and on their way to Super Bowl aspirations. Like no one wants to have to now have the NFL look into protocols and answer questions like this, like Matt LaFleur had to on his birthday. Um, They just likely want to focus on football, but this is a world that we live in, right? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think I've been trying to work through it in my head because there's some like layers to the situation, right? Like there's Roger's vaccination status, point blank, um, which I think we can or can't comment on. I don't, it is what it is. Um, I think you and I both have expressed the way we feel about vaccines and there's no reason to dive into that here and now. Um, I think the first thing that is just this level of deceit, like the way he answered the question to the media, um, and the questions that keep coming to mind for me are, was it his responsibility to share that information with the public? Was it his responsibility to share it with the media? Um, I think you can answer those questions on your own. Everyone has a different opinion about it. Um, I think the biggest thing for me was that there was no deception to his team, his teammates, his coaches, his training staff. That was more important to me to learn that they were aware of it in the building. Cause you add that on and, it makes it so much worse. I think when it comes to the media, you know, he's standing up at the podium without a mask. So I think media members are allowed to feel a certain way about his lack of disclosure based off their own personal health concerns. Um, I think they're allowed to feel a certain way about his evading the question as, well, if you're not being truthful with us, now, what else are you not truthful with us about? We have to report on this. This is our job. Um, and then the public. I don't think he really owes the public anything. Like, as a fan, his health information is none of my business. Um, and especially it's not impacting my health. Um, so I get why people find what he did on some levels unethical or maybe just icky. Um, 
when it comes to the organization, I think it's not the Packers' place to disclose his status to the public. Um, and if they were following protocol within the building, then nobody ever needed to know, um, which is fair. I think aside from that, if protocols were broken, then yes, consequences need to come um, and they should be doled out accordingly. I think right now there's two questions when it comes to protocols. It's the Halloween party, which clearly was a break breach in protocol. And does the media room count as inside the football organization? And therefore, did he break protocol in the media room or not? And then whatever it else is that the NFL does or does not uncover. Um, I think if there are consequences that come for breaching protocol, I hope that they're doled out to all organizations that have broken protocol, not just the Packers as an example. But when you, when you're part of a private organization such as the NFL and it has rules and you break those rules, you're going to have to pay for breaking those rules. And that just is what it is in my mind. So it's a lot of moving parts. Um, like I said, it's sensitive, obviously, in this situation. I don't want to comment on his decision or not to get vaccinated, what that means as a leader. I have my own opinions about it. He's out for at least this game, if not a second. Depends if he tests positive or negative or not, whether he comes back. Um I hope he didn't infect others around him, and I hope that he doesn't get sick. And that's kind of where I stand at this point. Yeah. I mean, I think there's there's a lot of layers to unpack, and it didn't help that it all came out in such chunks because we all started to formulate opinions, and then we would get more information, and then we'd maybe alter our perceptions of things, then we'd get more information, um, which is, I mean, that's how news breaks traditionally. It's not like this was anything... Uh, I guess, different from the norm. But I, I do think it's challenging just from an aspect of, you know, you can't be with the media now for at least a couple of weeks until Saturday, November 13th. And that's, you know, the soonest he could potentially get back. There's never media availability on Saturdays. So the very, very soonest that he could potentially address this, unless he does it on, say, Pat McAfee's show, is in a post-game presser after the Packers win or lose to the Seattle Seahawks at Lambeau field. So I think that's kind of the tricky part in a lot of this too, is um, maybe the media feeling like they want to hear from him and hear um, maybe his decision-making or why he answered the way he did, because I know a lot of them had expressed that they should have followed up with the immunization kind of phrasing instead of the vaccination phrasing. Um, so there's just a lot of moving pieces to this that I think there will be moving pieces for a while. It's like you said, you know, if, if the media room doesn't count, then maybe there wasn't a breach in protocol and we never would have had this conversation outside of a positive test. But then you look around the league and it's happening elsewhere. Right. Obviously, the Halloween party and the pictures being posted, I think, is the most significant part in all of this. Um, but I, I think at this point, I just don't want it to be a distraction for the team. Um, and you see it. I, I know the media has a job to do as far as getting to the bottom of this. And you have to ask questions. You have to ask Matt LaFleur the things you're asking him. But for guys like Aaron Jones and Kenny Clark, I feel like they're going to they're gonna rally around their quarterback, right? Like, we're not expecting them to say anything groundbreaking in these interviews. So to keep kind of asking them to own up for something that they didn't do is yeah. just let them focus on what they need to focus on now. And Rogers can or cannot address it when he's back in the building. 
Yeah, I think it puts them in a, a really difficult position. Um, it's not their job to put out a fire that they didn't start. And I feel very similarly to Matt LaFleur, right? Like, um, I think in this instance, you would like to see maybe Goot or Mark Murphy kind of come out to support. You know, this is not Matt LaFleur's realm. Um, he is the coach, right? Yeah. He, he's He oversees football on the field operations, right? So I think he's handled himself as well as anyone can expect him to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think as an organization, depending on what comes of this, if and when there are consequences to any rules being broken, um, that you would like to hear from someone above Matt LaFleur, because this is just not <laughs> his job. And he should be focusing, rightfully so, on preparing Jordan Love to start against the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. Um, I don't know. I think you and I could probably stay on this topic for quite some time. (laughs) I certainly have lots of thoughts more philosophically about how this reflects on someone as a leader, um, how this impacts Aaron Rodgers' legacy and what this means for the way the NFL and and his fans um, view him. I also think that all of those are personal and we don't need to give all of our listeners our personal thoughts on that topic. So the, the point, I guess, is to just address, right, that this has happened. He will not be playing against the Chiefs um, and that it's still like TBD from all of the information that we've slowly trickled that has slowly trickled in um, what that means for the team moving forward. If Aaron Rodgers is going to play um, after this week, we do not know that information. Um, we just know that, like you said, he can come back as soon as Saturday before the Seahawks game. And that's if he has two negative tests consecutively. And if he's asymptomatic, that is another thing that he must be before he comes back into the building. So we will get more information as it comes. Um, but for now, because of this, you know, we get Kurt Bankert also on the COVID list. Um, you've got Al Lazard coming back, Devonta Adams coming back. Um, so there's a lot of things happening and also means that Jordan Love is the only, well, they brought in Blake Bortles. So now the room is Jordan Love and, and Blake Bortles. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of moving pieces to a lot of this. And, you know, I, I know that we could we could talk about this for a really long time as far as the implications, but you know you're a seven and one football team, and honestly, if there was a game to potentially miss, I'm not sure that this is the worst one for the Packers solely because it's an AFC team, and you know if you chalk up an L in the loss column, it doesn't hurt you as much as it would to have lost to the Cardinals or to the Rams. So not trying to look at the decision-making as far as any of that, but for a Jordan Love getting his feet wet in the NFL kind of environment, yes, Kansas City is a really hard place to play, but Kansas City has a defense that I think he can capitalize on with the rest of the Packers offense, and it's an AFC team. So I I do actually think that the Packers have a really good shot going into this game regardless. Um, I just mean, you know, I've seen a lot of the takes on Twitter as well that, you know, if you do end up 7-2 and during this stretch – there was a realistic possibility that you could have been seven and two already based on the Cardinals or, you know, however some of those other games shook out, which I don't know if that's the right perspective or not, because obviously with Aaron Rodgers, you have a much better shot of being eight and one. Yeah. Look, I think you're, it's a valid perspective to have. And at this point, when you're looking at this game, 
you look for the positives and the positives are that the Packers are seven and one. So they've given themselves, uh, they put themselves in a position where a loss does not impact their season. Um, I did hear an argument today that I think is valid, right? When you're in an NFC conference that has tons of teams with only one loss and that you're vying for that one seed potentially at the end, you know, your record does matter. But mm-hmm. I think your point of it being an AFC team is a valid one, right? It's not like this is the Rams game or an NFC opponent or a NFC North opponent, right? It's not the Vikings. So to be honest with you, I hate looking at this situation in the lens of football. It feels so small yeah. to me um, and insignificant. Like who cares? <laughs> um, you know, someone's very, someone's sick and, but regardless, um, that is what we do on this show. And you are right. <laughs> um, you know, at the end of the day, if the Packers do drop this game to the Chiefs, it makes that Cardinals win that much more important. And you're glad that they have it. And the Packers go into the rest of the season eight and two. And by all accounts, I think most teams would be thrilled with that record. Um, Including they, the Chiefs, who are four and four. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um so they're in a they're in a good position still, regardless of what happens on Sunday, um, seven and two or eight and one. Now that we got the gross stuff out of the way, let's talk about the people that are going to be on the field playing and why the Green Bay Packers, under Jordan Love in his first NFL start, can actually beat the four and four Kansas City Chiefs, who did not look that impressive on Monday Night Football against the Giants, and have kind of yet to look impressive like the two time Super Bowl appearing Chiefs that we've known them as it's football season baby and you know what that means it means we're going for two here with the sponsors of today's show manscaped blitzing through hairs has never been easier and it's time you join the two million men worldwide who trust manscaped by using code pwss20 at manscaped.com for 20 percent off plus free shipping it's three and out the window with all other trimmers now go tame that wildcat offense the world is starting to open and the performance package 4.0 from manscaped is here to help you get ready inside you'll find their brand new lawnmower 4.0 trimmer weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, plus two free gifts, Performance Boxer Briefs, and the Shed Travel Bag. The Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is the perfect package for your package and a key for a great grooming and hygiene routine to make sure the boys downstairs are smooth like Tom Brady in the fourth quarter. The brand new Lawnmower 4.0 is here to take your defense to the next level. This fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on off switch can engage a travel lock, and gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. There's no 15 yard penalty for this clipping. This package also comes with the Weed Whacker. The Elite Nose and Hair Trimmer is also waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. This trimmer also has proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. After trimming your footballs, show them some love with Manscaped's liquid formulations. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner are here to take your balls game to the next level. We have an exclusive offer for our audience. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PWSS20 at manscaped.com. 
Manscaped also threw in two free gifts to their performance package 4.0, the Manscaped boxers and the shed travel bag. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PWSS20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PWSS20. Stiff arm your pubes out of the playoffs this year with Manscaped. It's when you say their record like that. It's weird. It's shocking. It's jarring to the system because when you think about the Chiefs, you think about this juggernaut, high-flying offense that can drop 50 points on you in a moment's notice that defensives have spent seasons now studying to try to figure out how to stop. And all of a sudden the season, it's like they figured out how and the Chiefs have yet to figure out how to counter what they're throwing at them on offense. It's almost like they don't want to. So... It's going to be Jordan Love operating this Matt LaFleur offense against this Chiefs defense, who they're ranked in the bottom and by all accounts and any measurements. Um, I think this is going to be a really, really nice showing for Matt LaFleur on what this scheme can do with a different quarterback under center. I mean, his scheme has been incredibly quarterback friendly since he joined the Packers. It's easy to overlook that when you have someone like Aaron Rodgers under center, but I think he's going to be able to showcase that on Sunday. I think it's going to be another week just like the Cardinals game where they really lean on Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Yeah, and I think, you know, we talked about the kind of the odds being stacked against the Packers on such a short week going into Arizona and the fact that the Packers were able to respond in a big way. And I think this is another test for them. Like A.J. Dillon, a lot of the guys that were at the podium throughout the week have said like, look, we're going to rally, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's a lot different when you lose an MVP quarterback, but the next man up mentality doesn't stop whether you are, you know, a new long snapper on the franchise or you're taking over for a three-time MVP quarterback. You still have Devontae Adams. You still have Aaron Jones. You might be getting MBS, you know, potentially David Bakhtiari. You know, I hate to say this because, it just seems so finite, but this might honestly be like one of the best rosters that Jordan Love gets to play with. If the Packers end up in some weird rebuild and they lose Devontae and, you know, Jordan Love may never have these kind of weapons at his disposal. So if you're talking about setting someone up for success, I think this is like the perfect opportunity for him to show that. You are spot on. I mean, it's such a good point. And especially if David Bakhtiari comes back this week. I think in my mind, if there's one player who can sort of make or break this game for the Packers, it's him because nobody, and again, he's not going to be, you know, all pro left tackle David Bakhtiari first game back after an ACL tear, but he's still better than just about everybody else that you can want to protect Jordan Love's blind side. And I, I think it's again, perfect because I don't think the chiefs have these high flying you know, pressure-filled defensive fronts that the Packers have seen this season already. So last week going into the Cardinals game, we had a sense that the Packers are playing with house money. And I feel similarly going into this game. The Packers lose, right? It is what it is. It happens. The Chiefs are still a great team who, if you looked at this on the schedule before the season started, you'd say, in Arrowhead, that's going to be a loss. Yeah, I think we all had it, you know, marked out as a L. Right. And no matter what happens, win or lose, you're giving Jordan Love invaluable reps that he would never, ever have had previously. He's only ever played in 
what is it, two preseason games um, and some kneel downs. So this is just so important for him in a stadium that by all accounts is one of the most difficult to play in. And like you said, he's playing with the ones. He's getting all the ones reps in practice all week. Um, He's getting to really not just study and watch Aaron Rodgers run this, this offense, but do it himself. And I just think this whole week and this game, even if he doesn't look great, it's such a big jump for him developmentally and is going to give the Packers the best chance to see how has he actually progressed since his time being in the building? What do we still need to do with him to get him to a place where we feel like he could potentially be our starter at some point in the future? Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of what the focus needs to be for Packers fans. And I understand like you're a fan of the football team. You want them to always win and do well. And it can be hard to remain objective when you're talking about something that you care about, but you know, Jordan Love is going to make mistakes. If he came out and played a perfect game, that would be unheard of. Aaron Rodgers doesn't normally play perfect games. Like it's the nature of the NFL. Devonte Adams drops passes. You know, these are rarities, but things still happen. So when you're talking about a guy getting his first NFL start, he might throw a pick, you know, he might take a couple sacks that Aaron Rodgers would not have taken. Um, but I think, you know, you're making a really good point that it's, it's the growing pains and it's the progress. And just like we've talked about with Eric Stokes, you know, Jordan loves was a healthy scratch all of last season, finally got into some off season program, had two starts in the preseason and then was injured for one of the three. So, you know, he still has been on super limited opportunities to get some game time action. So I think that he will struggle a little bit, but I also think that he will make some really impressive plays that will remind, you know, the media, maybe Packers fans, even why he was a first round pick at quarterback. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is exciting to me. I think Mm -hmm. amid all the mess this is super exciting. I no one ever expected to get to watch get to watch Jordan Love in any kind of real action anytime soon. It's kind um, of the I, best case scenario, right? Because Aaron Rodgers didn't like tear his ACL. You it, it's really unfortunate that he got sick. Like we're never saying that it's a, it's good to lose a player, but as far as like getting a look at somebody potentially for a week knowing that you get your MVP back. Yeah, best case scenario, you get him back you know, next Sunday. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, 100% agreed. I mean, I think the only comparable, the only situation better than this is the Packers have locked up the one seed and Jordan Love plays week 17. Like, yeah, this he is plays the against the Lions. Best. Yeah, right? Like, this is the next best opportunity for him with very low stakes. Because like we said, if the Packers go in to the Seahawks game 7-2, and two, they're still seven and two and in prime position to handedly win the NFC North and still potentially, depending on what happens the rest of the season, grab that one seed anyway. So um, I like this situation for Jordan Love because it's, it is low stakes and hopefully low stress. And I, it sounds like he's really taking the bull by the horns and operating like QB one and using this opportunity to really feel, feel that out for himself. And I can't wait to see what he does on the field. I, I don't know if he's going to rip it, if LaFleur is going to let him do that, but it'll be really fun to watch him operate this offense in the way that's best for his skill set. Yeah, I really like this too. I mean, I think that the, the players 
are rallying. We knew guys like AJ Dillon, you know, who have has been friends with him forever, that he was going to be one of his biggest advocates. But uh, Tom Silverstein just put on Twitter that when Luke Getzey met with the media, um, he said that Lucas Patrick went up to Jordan Love in practice and told him how excited he was about the way that he was handling the calls in the huddle. So, like, it feels like there's such a buy-in where there's always a buy-in when you're on a, a team and you understand, like, you know, the energy that you put into it. But I think guys are really excited to, like, do this for Jordan. And I think there's a part of it, too, where it's like, and I I don't want to get into, like, a quarterback controversy. That's not what this is. Like, Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback, obviously. But I think there's something, too, to be said about, like, knowing that this is an opportunity for him where these guys probably got really close to Jordan all offseason when Aaron Rodgers wasn't in the building, you know, there was there were a lot of times that Jordan Love was the guy, and there were probably a lot of players in that locker room that thought that they were about to start a new era without Aaron Rodgers, and they were going to rally behind Jordan regardless. So to be able to, you know, give him that energy, and then like we just talked about, know that they get their MVP back in potentially a week or two, it's exciting for for I think everybody involved to see kind of what what they have. Yeah, and I mean more adversity for this team to overcome just because they haven't had enough because they haven't had (laughs) enough yeah keep throwing it at them and I think again same viewpoint as this Cardinals game it's more about the way they approach this week the way they handle themselves on game day the way they show up on game day that matters more to me than the win-loss column Yeah, I agree with you. I think that it's kind of like what we talked about with the Cardinals, where you just wanted to see the team respond in the right way, where you didn't want it to look like the Saints game, I think is really the caveat here. And then, you know, it ended up being what we are now all considering the character win of the Matt LaFleur era. And I I don't want to say that this would be, you know, on Sunday, the, the new character win. But if Jordan Love leads the Packers to a victory in Arrowhead, which is one of the toughest places to play, I think you can just, you know, put down the coach LaFleur winning coach of the year thing in Sharpie and just not change it for the next nine weeks or however many weeks are left. It's late and I'm not doing math. I agree with you. I, we're going to talk about this a bit later, but since you brought it up, I mean, I think coach LaFleur should be firmly in the conversation at this point, Mm -hmm. um, regardless of what happens on Sunday. And then if the Packers do pull out a victory with Jordan Love, it's, crown him crown him (laughs) um so just looking at the game itself the matchup um we both have said we feel pretty confident that the Packers will go a little bit run heavy like they did with the Cardinals um that would make sense given how well it worked and um but I do think that you know the Chiefs secondary is one of the worst that they're going up against this season and they are going presumably to get back their top three receivers for this game in Adams, MBS, Lazard. They'll have Cobb, um, of course, missing Tanyan, unfortunately, but DeGuara, all, all the playmakers are there. So I would also like to see, um, you know, Jordan Love get the ball to those guys and sort of try to pick apart this chief secondary. Yeah. I mean, I think that, It's kind of cheating because obviously he came in when it didn't matter. So there's a comfort there, but we got to see a couple looks from him late in the saints game and he was letting it rip, you know, and I'm sure part of that is, you know, LaFleur's like, Hey, we're down by 35 points. There's nothing you can do. That's going to make this worse for us. Just like go sling it. 
But it, again, is like a confidence builder and it builds connection with guys like Randall Cobb, who we had, you know, a big reception with. And it just, so I, I do think that there will be opportunities. You know, LaFleur did say that they had to change the game plan a little bit. I think we all expected that. Um, but I do think that he'll get his opportunities, especially if he's got, can you imagine if he connected on a deep shot to MBS, like a 75 yarder? I don't even want to think about it. I'm starting <laughs> to just... <laughs> I think Twitter would burn down. Um, it would be incredible because that, I mean, there's so many traits that Jordan Love possesses and it's why he, he was picked in the first round, right? And one of them is his arm. That guy can sling the ball. He's got an arm. So again, it, it's a matter of what they game plan for and also what the defense gives him. Um, and if he can hit on a, on a read like that, it would be incredible. Um, I thought Nathaniel Hackett had a really interesting tidbit in his presser um, today that was, you know, yes, like you said, they did have to alter the game plan, but it was less about changing things and more about fitting in what's already part of the scheme to match Love's skill sets. Because, of course, him and Rodgers are very different quarterbacks, and I think um, football IQ-wise on very different levels. Um, so they were just finding new puzzle pieces to an already sort of complete puzzle. That is the Matt LaFleur offense for Jordan Love to, to complete. I'm just, I'm wondering too, and I'm curious your thoughts here. Like if this makes it more or less likely for them to win, because the chiefs have no idea what to plan for when it comes to Jordan Love. Nobody does. Yeah. It's hard because it feels like, I mean, I, I don't know what, I mean, obviously it's, you know, you never want anybody's health to be impacted, but we found out about Aaron Rodgers and, you know, everybody kind of rode the waves of emotion that came with all of that. But I think a lot of us were just, you know, excited to see like, this is going to be our first real glimpse. And I think that's kind of what we're hearing from the national media too. You mentioned Mina Kimes talking about it on her podcast. There's just a lot of people that are really excited to see, like, he's been kind of like the hidden toy in the NFL where we all have known we've heard the praises about him. We've heard maybe some of the, the cons about his game. Um, and Matt LaFleur is one of the best coaches in the NFL to pair him with for moments like this. So I do think it makes it more challenging for the chiefs who already, you know, we're struggling on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but I also think that, you know, there is maybe an element of confidence from the chiefs knowing that, you know, it's Arrowhead. It's a really hard place to play. He's got a lot on his shoulders that, you know, there's obviously a difference with Aaron Rodgers and his swagger coming into the building and a young quarterback having to make his first start. And I get, there's a weird part. I mean, it's like, thank God this isn't a Sunday night football game because, you know, like the, just the attention that's on it to just, just be like a, 325 on Fox is like, okay, that's, it seems a little it is more a national game. So yeah, the, the majority of the country is going to be watching, um, from all accounts. And then I, I, I want to flip to the defense. Yep. From most accounts I've heard that love in his demeanor and the way that he carries himself is the kind of guy who will not let the pressure of this game get to him. Yeah. And it's something that you really appreciate and you really look for, I think, in a quarterback. You you can't be – the moment can't be too big for you. Like, this is what you signed up for. And hopefully, one day, this is what he's going to be doing every single week of his life during the NFL season. So, um, 
just important moments for him to take in, learn from, grow, become a better quarterback for when and if he takes over this franchise. Oh, well, I was just going to say whether it's, you know, not to, you know, whether it's the Packers or wherever, like, you know, there's so many quarterbacks. Yeah. I always use Josh Rosen as an example because he's like basically out of the league. He's on a practice squad somewhere now. And it's like, you feel like some guys just never got a true opportunity. And I've always hoped that whatever happens, like I love Aaron Rodgers. You know, I don't think any Packer fan is ready to just like boot him out the door. If he could play at an MVP level for 10 more seasons, we'd be like, yeah, keep him in green Bay. Nobody wants to just give that up to another team. But I, in all of this, I've always just hoped that Jordan Love gets an opportunity, whether it's in Green Bay or elsewhere. So for him to be able to kind of, like you said, rise to the occasion, I don't think that this is a moment that will feel too big for him because it's what he's been working for and training for and what you're drafted for and something he's thought about, you know, forever. And since he's been backing up Aaron Rodgers. Yep. And hopefully soaking in all the things that the MVP has to teach him about being the leader of a franchise. Um, So speaking of leaders, we get our defensive leader back this week in Joe Barry. Um, He was back at practice Thursday today when we're recording and he will be back on the sidelines calling the defense on Sunday, presumably. And so this chief's offense has not looked like themselves by any account, um, but it's still a tall order for this defense to stop Patrick Mahomes Um, I think the same rules apply as always when you pressure and get to the quarterback and rattle him, you're more, you know, dominate the line of scrimmage, but Pat Mahomes is someone like Aaron Rodgers who scrambles and can extend and make plays except this season, him doing so has led to a turnover and interception in every single game. So that's something that I really hope the Packers defense capitalizes on. They've been ball hawking. We talked about this on our live show. Um, and winning that turnover battle is going to be huge. Yeah. I mean, just it's funny that you mentioned turnovers because the Packers are 25 and zero under Matt LaFleur when they win the turnover battle, which is already impressive. Not that Matt LaFleur has lost that much in his tenure so far as a head coach, but you know, you've got Mahomes leading the league in interceptions right now already with 10 um, through his eight games. And the Packers are top three in takeaways on defense, which I think is pretty impressive. And, you know, we feel it, you know, we see them getting picks and turnovers each week but to hear stats like that kind of I think really hammer home like how good this defense has been and I was actually thinking about this today where in 2019 you know Aaron Rodgers week one said we got a defense and think about the 180 that the defense has done between 2019 and now even just saying like they've got a defense like this is I think the defense Devondre Campbell winning NFC defensive player of the month for the month of October. Like there's so many things that we would think about at the beginning of the season that we were concerned about that have turned into mm-hmm. like sections of strength. Yeah. Let's talk. We haven't even, we got to focus on the positive here, Maggie. <laughs> we have the Green Bay Packers have an inside linebacker who was just named defensive player of the month. We are living in the upside down. And I'm just still the best value add this team has had in the longest time. Um, One matchup that I'm really excited to watch this weekend is Tyreek Hill and Eric Stokes. Presumably, you know, you're going to match your cornerback who has the same speed as a wide receiver to the fastest wide receiver in the NFL. Um, This is one of those unique matchups that, 
I think most teams go into and they say, I don't, we have to find some way to contain Tyreek Hill. Well, the Green Bay Packers have a cornerback that can actually go step for step with him, which is rare and incredible. And I can't wait to watch it. I think it's going to be yet another true test. I think every week you see Stokes going up against the top wide receivers in the NFL. And this week is going to be no different. Um, I just think his skill sets um, really nicely match the way to stop Tyreek Hill um, and that connection he has with Pat Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a really interesting test. And it kind of goes into what we were talking about with the Cardinals offense, where they're really good at spreading the ball around. And I know the Chiefs haven't looked like, you know, the Super Bowl Chiefs, but they're still putting up more points a game than the Packers have, which, you know, it's kind of jarring considering the Packers had the number one offense in the NFL last season. So obviously Tyree Kill is a focal point. You've got Travis Kelsey. Um, Clyde's, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is out still. Um, so it looks like it'll be another Daryl Williams game on the ground. But, you know, I think like I was thinking about this on Monday night when I was watching the game. And to me, whenever anybody on the Chiefs offense touches the ball, it feels like you fast forwarded the game. Like Tyree Kill, even Patrick Mahomes. Like there's moments where I'm just like, like how is everybody so fast? McCole Hardman is another example of that, where it's just like, it feels like that entire offense can put things into a different gear at any point. My so. counter to that, though, is that I agree 100%. When I was watching the Monday night game against the Giants, the Giants did a really good job of taking Travis Kelsey out of the equation. Mm-hmm. And I think when you do that, you actually make the Chiefs very one-dimensional. And when you're playing against a fairly one-dimensional team, they're pretty easy to stop. You play cover two, you take away the deep play, you cover Tyreek Hill, and you mitigate Travis Kelsey, and there's not really much the Chiefs can do, especially when they're not protecting the football very well. So I think the blueprint for the Packers' defense is there. It's just about executing it. Yeah, and I mean, had it been the 2019-2020 version of the Packers' defense, maybe there would be more concerns, but this is a Packers' defense that is really, really finding its way. And, you know, we talked on our live show about, yeah, you can argue that they haven't gone up against some of the best offensive talent in the NFL in like the Bears and Washington, Uh, but they have gone up against Kyler Murray. And if you can contain Kyler Murray, and I know DeAndre Hopkins was kind of, you know, I was going to say hamstrung, uh, pun not intended, but that would have been terrible. (laughs) So (laughs) gone up against DeAndre Hopkins, AJ Green, that entire offense, Christian Kirk, um, Chase Edmonds, you know, if you can contain that kind of offensive firepower, I think the Chiefs, you know, I feel better about them going up against the Chiefs than maybe I would have had the Cardinals game gone differently. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, any final thoughts on this game? And do you think the Packers come on with a win? What's your score prediction? I've been trying really hard to think of a score prediction for this game, and it's it's tough because, you know, this is a Packers offense that's not putting up points like it normally is. This is a Chiefs offense that can still put up quite a few points, but has a defense that, you know, lacks confidence. So as much as I want to think like, oh, it'll be a shootout, I don't know if I feel the same way with it being Jordan Love. So I feel it kind of being like a scrappy, hard-fought kind of game. But I do see the Packers winning this one. I think it'll be 28-24 Packers. Yeah, I have a very similar thought process as you where this could go in a number of different ways. Um, I have the score prediction a little bit lower. I have it at at 21-17 Packers. Um, I am surprised a little bit with myself 
at picking the Packers to win this game, but I have a lot more confidence in this defense than I have before. And I think the Matt LaFleur offense, based off what we saw, I know it was Aaron Rodgers under center, but based off what we saw against the Cardinals, I think this team can put up points against anybody. And this Chiefs team is really bad. This defense (laughs) is bad. Um, And I think the Packers come up with at least one turnover to keep the ball away from Patrick Mahomes. Um, And I'd like to see Jordan Love throw, you know, a touchdown or two for himself. So, yeah, I'm going with a 21-17. Now that we're kind of into the game picks mode, you are two games up. 75, I have 73. Whoa. And it's also kind of funny that I don't know how we ended this – ended up this way but we're playing each other in two fantasy leagues this week i saw that which i i don't know how that lined up that way but yeah so there's a lot lot going into this week both from a fantasy and from a game picks perspective that's very exciting well you're on girl (laughs) all right um let's do some game picks real quick i know this has been a bit of a longer episode than we intended it but thursday night jets colts I'm taking the Colts. I know that everybody is a fan of Mike White, and how can you not be after he beat the Bengals? Um, but I don't know. The Colts are hosting. They've been looking pretty decent. AFC, honestly, the AFC uh, South could be wide open now that Derrick Henry is out potentially for the season with a foot injury. Colts can sneak in there, maybe not win the division, but they are in contention for a wild card, so I say Colts. I'm going Colts as well. Um Sunday slate early Raiders Giants. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with the Raiders. I think they're just a better football team right now. Yeah, I agree. And the AFC West is kind of wide open. I think the Raiders are almost a sleeper in the AFC right now, where their record is better than we're all expected it to be, and nobody's talking about it. Right, better than expectation or public perception. Mm-hmm. Um, then we've got an NFC South matchup with the Falcons and the Saints. Um, Taysom Hill is starting this game. I want to say that the Saints pull one out here. Okay. I was going to take the Falcons just because, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's the Falcons. That's okay. all. I, just, <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Um, next one, Bills, Jaguars. I'm going to take the Bills. I'm going to assume that you are as well. I am indeed. (laughs) That one's pretty obvious. Um, all right. Browns, Bengals. This should be circled on everyone's calendar, I think. Yeah. The Browns are in a tailspin and I'm just kind of hoping that they can write the ship. It's a really hard week to try and write the ship. They had a bad loss to a division rival, have another division rival now. Um, but I'm, I'm going to take the Browns in a bounce back week. All right. I'm going to take the Bengals. Um, I think after their loss to the Jets, they're itching to prove to everyone again that they are worthy of being contenders in the AFC. And what better way to do it than beating a divisional opponent? Sorry, Mark. <laughs> um, then we have Pats, Panthers. Um, Pats are on the rise. Firmly taking Mac Jones in this one. Yeah, I don't... The Panthers are just also in a tailspin. Started hot and now just kind of lackluster. I agree, it's the Patriots. Okay. Broncos, Cowboys. Um, I have to pick the Cowboys in this one as well. They're just the better team. Yeah, Cowboys snuck one, I almost feel like, against the Vikings without having Dak. So now that Dak is healthy, 
definitely the Cowboys. Yep. Speaking of, we've got Vikings-Ravens. Um, this is a really interesting matchup. The Vikings just lost to Nail Hunter, which is a brutal blow for them. Um, traveling to Baltimore, I have to take the Ravens at home. Yeah, same. I just, I mean, if the Vikings couldn't get it done against a Dak Prescott-less Cowboys, I feel like Lamar Jackson is just an entirely new beast for their defense. <laughs> I agree. Um, all right, Chargers-Eagles. I think the Chargers really need a win here, and they are the better team. So I'm going Chargers. I agree. I think it's the Chargers. Okay. Texans-Dolphins, the battle of two pretty abysmal teams. <laughs> There's going to be like three people watching that game. Um, I think I'm going to take the Dolphins. I don't really know why. I have zero confidence saying that. And as I say Dolphins, I probably feel like I should pick the Texans, but I'm going to say Dolphins. Yeah, I'm going to take the Dolphins too. Just because one is less of a, a poop show than the other. <laughs> All right. NFC West, Cardinals, Niners. It's going to be such a good game. Uh, I think it's the Cardinals, though. I think they're salty about the loss, and they're going to bounce back in a big way. Me too. Cardinals all the way. Um, this is going to be a really, really, really fun Sunday night game. Titans, Rams. I can't wait for this. This is, man, I I think it's the Rams, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And it would have been more fun if it was Derrick Henry going up against Von Miller and Aaron Donald. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Von Miller's first game is a Ram. Uh, I'm also going to pick the Rams. They're home. And without Derrick Henry, this Titans team feels a little weaker, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't be surprised if it went the other way. And last but not least, what might be the lowest scoring game in NFL history Bears Steelers. God, I'm going to take the Steelers. I think that their win against the Browns gave them some juice and they are realizing that the AFC North is maybe wider open than they thought it was. And the Bears. I can't take the Bears. I can't. (laughs) I can't do it. I'm going to take the Steelers as well. Yeah. Good call. That feels right. It feels right. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening as always. Um, Really appreciate it. We'll be back with our recap show on Monday, um, hopefully looking at a Packers win. But regardless, it will be a breakdown of Jordan Love. So look out for that. Follow us on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein, at Maggie J. Loney, at PWSS Podcast, Packs What She Said on Instagram and Twitch. Um, Again, we appreciate you all for listening. Um, Just sending out a little love on this Thursday evening as we're recording to our lovely listeners and um, stay safe and healthy out there. And as always go pack go. Go pack.